Let's pray. Father, as we come to your word now, give us ears to hear. Open the eyes of our heart and the ears of our heart and grant us attentive minds and receptive minds. Grant me to be faithful to your word. Grant me a heart for your word, I pray. We love your word. We want to honor your word. Stand by me. Minister your word, I pray through Christ. Amen. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus to all the saints who are in Philippi, grace to you and peace. From God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It's right for me to feel this way about you, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. My prayer for you is that you might... Um, your love might abound more and more with, with knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless at the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And I want you to know that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of rivalry, not sincerely, thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? <laughs> Only that, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in this I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and through the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that now, as always, Christ might be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. 
For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. But which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I am sure that I will remain and continue all continue with you all for your for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus at my coming to you again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you're standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, not frightened in anything by your opponents. This will be a sure sign to them of their destruction and of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you for the sake of Christ that you should not only Believe on him, but that you should suffer for his sake. Engaged in the same conflict that you saw that I had and now see that I still have. So, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any comfort from love, if there's any participation in the spirit, if there's any affection and and sympathy, complete my joy. By being of the same mind and having the same spirit and being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind in you, which is yours in Christ Jesus who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient unto death, even death on the cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him. And given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, just as you've always obeyed, so also now, not only in my absence, but also not only in my presence, but also in my my absence, work, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For God is the one who's at work in you to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do, do all things without grumbling or complaining. Do all things without grumbling or questioning that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine like lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life. 
holding fast to the word of life. Go ahead. So that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not labor in vain or run in vain. If I'm to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you should be glad and rejoice with me. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I too may be cheered by news of you. I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. They all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with the Father he served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him to you soon, as soon as I see how things will go with me. And I, I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary that I should send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your minister and messenger for my need. For he has been longing for you and has been distressed that you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him to you, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So, Receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such man because he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Finally, brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble for me and is safe for you. Watch out for the dogs. Watch out for the evil workers. Watch out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the true circumcision, who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh. If anyone thinks that he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the tribe of, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as refuse in order that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, which is based on law, but the righteousness that comes through 
Jesus Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. That I may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. If by any means possible, I might attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this, or I'm already perfect. But I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have already made it my own. One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the call, for the, up, for the call of the up. For the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me. And keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you have in us. For many of whom I have told you often and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. And they glory in their shame. With minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will change this lowly body, our lowly body, into a body like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love, my joy, and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat you, Odia, and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. And yes, also I ask you, my true companion, to help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and all my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord. And again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God with thanksgiving. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. 
what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I know how I have learned in every situation to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. I have, in every and in each and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share in my need. Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I first came out from Macedonia, no church entered into giving and receiving with me except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your account. I have been fully repaid more than. Having received from Epaphroditus the gifts that you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice pleasing and acceptable to God. My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every brother. Greet every saint who is in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with your spirit. Let's pray. Almighty God, your word is of infinite value. infinite value. Please cause your people to feel this. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So as always, here we are in the second message of prayer week. And I am seeking with all my heart to call you, plead with you, inspire you, motivate you, encourage you, persuade you, lead you to give yourself to the Word of God. To give yourself to the Word of God. To give yourself, give yourself, give yourself, give yourself to the Word of God. This is what I want you to do. It's a gift to you. Give yourself to the Word of God.
And I mean something more than a snatch every few days. I mean, give yourself to it every day. Every day, every day, every day, every day. I would guess that virtually everyone in the hearing of my voice is dissatisfied with the spiritual power and consistency and faithfulness and fruitfulness of your life. I certainly am with my life. I would assume everybody else is also dissatisfied with the level of your own spiritual power. I don't consider that anything I say in this message is a simple remedy for that spiritual weakness. God is sovereign. He changes times and seasons. That includes global political seasons and it includes church seasons and it includes family seasons and it includes personal spiritual seasons. God changes seasons. You're in a dry season? God changes seasons. One thing I know is that there is a spiritual diet without which no Christian can be strong or healthy or fruitful, and that diet is the Word of God. That I know. Now, I want you to hear me very carefully, lest I be misunderstood. You may be surprised at what I say. I am making you zero promises that reading or memorizing the Bible will make you strong or healthy or fruitful spiritually. The Pharisees read and memorized their Bible more than you or I ever will. And almost all of them went to hell, Jesus said in Matthew eight twelve, Cast into outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth, filled with the Bible. I am not giving you any guaranteed technique for power. The Spirit blows where and when He wills. I have known terrible seasons of barrenness in reading the Bible. Do you hear what I said? Not in neglecting the Bible. In reading the Bible. I am not God. The Bible is not God. God is God. And he blows with his power where and when he pleases. I make you zero promises that reading your Bible will make you strong. God will make you strong if he chooses to make you strong. This I know. He will not do it. Without the Bible. That I know.
There has to be in me a spiritual receptivity. The eyes of my heart being opened. Why else would Paul pray in Ephesians 1.18 that the eyes of your hearts would be enlightened to know the glory of what is written in the word? It's because you can read the glory of what is written in the word and not see it as glory, not feel it as glory, not be moved at all by what you read. That's why. That's why we sang those songs. Open the eyes of my heart. We're not playing games here. That is a supernatural work of God without which we read and read and read and read and see nothing and are not changed. I make you no promises that if you read your Bible, you will be changed. This is prayer week. Get that? This is prayer week. I didn't make a mistake in choosing this message. This is prayer week. And the link is Ephesians 1.18. By your reading, you can know my insight into the mystery. I pray that the odds of your heart would be illumined to see the glory of your inheritance. Well, which is it, Paul? Is it knowing by reading or knowing by the illumination? And he would say, if you put the book down, the illumination will not be given. But holding the book like a Pharisee in your hand doesn't guarantee you'll get the illumination. So, no guaranteed regimen or device or scheme or trick for spiritual power and health and fruitfulness. Bible reading is not magic. Bible memory is not mind control or divination. I don't know if you're reading your Bible, meditating on it, and memorizing it will make you strong. I do not know. You may be a Pharisee so deeply to the core, it won't happen. I just know that without the Bible, it won't happen. Without the Bible... Without Bible reading, Bible meditation, Bible memory, you starve the grace that God puts within you designed to thrive on the Word. So it works. Graces are given to you. They are designed to thrive on the food or the fuel of the Word. If you take the fuel away, the graces starve. There is a spiritual diet without which no Christian will be strong healthy or fruitful, and that diet is God's Word. So, here I am, longing, praying, pleading that you would receive this gift. Give yourself to the Word of God in 2010. It's the Word of God. Let that sink in. It's the word 
of God. 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 God, the maker of heaven and earth, holding all the universe in being and knowing everything there can possibly be known, has spoken. Takes your breath away. That it sits on the shell. Incomprehensible blindness. Incomprehensible deadness. Incomprehensible numbness of the human soul. That's what I'm pleading that God would change now. So Philippians chapter 2. Verses 14 to 16. Do all things without grumbling or questioning, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. So notice the two phrases and the link between them. Verse 15 at the end, you shine as lights in the world. That's God's design for the church. We live in a culture that is crooked and perverse. Do you absorb more from it or from the Word? Are you shaped more by it than by giving yourself to the Word? A snowflake doesn't have a chance in hell. And you don't have a chance not to be shaped by the world if you are not giving yourself to the Word. Not a chance. Not a chance. So you won't shine if you don't do what? Hold fast the Word. The word hold fast here means either or both hold fast your gaze on the word or hold fast your position in the word. I'll give you a couple of examples why I, I don't think we should probably choose between those. This word, for example, is translated in 1 Timothy 4.16 like this. Keep a close watch, that's the word, on yourself and your teaching. So hold your gaze on yourself and your teaching. Hold it. Don't let it go. Don't slip it. Hold. Hold there. Don't start drifting away. Hold it. Or another one would be Acts chapter 3 verse 5 where the word is translated like this. He fixed his attention 
on them, expecting to receive something from them. Fixed attention. Hold mine, hold affections, hold, I'm there, I'm there, I'm holding my attention on this word. Or, here's another one, Acts chapter 19, verse 22, it's translated like this. Paul stayed, that's the same word, stayed in Asia for a while, meaning held his place. So the fundamental meaning is hold on. Can be hold on your gaze or hold on, I'm staying. So you remember from John 6, where Jesus says to Peter, are you going to leave too? Like everybody else is walking away from me. And Peter says, to whom shall we go away and leave our place with you, the speaking one? To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We're going nowhere. We're holding. Right here. There's no place to go. I'm holding. I'm staying. Speak. Talk to me. I need life. Talk. I've talked. I've talked. You need life? I've talked. How do you shine in Minneapolis? How do you shine in our culture, our decaying, rotting culture? Let's read it very carefully. End of verse 15. You shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life. That's the only way you can shine. I'm going to hold my attention on it. I'm going to hold my place in it. I'm going nowhere. I'm not going to the television, to books, magazines, internet. I'm holding my attention and my place in this divine revelation of what this world is like, what God is like, what life is like, what I'm like. And those people don't know. God knows I'm holding. And if you do that, you'll shine. You will shine. If you don't, you'll be as mushy and hazy and irrelevant as everybody else. No matter how famous you are. So, the, f- the fuel of the lamp that's burning brightly is the Word. So, if you're wick isn't laid in the kerosene, but kind of flopped over onto the dry desk, how long would that wick burn? It just consume the wick. Burn down to the edge, it's out. Five minutes. But if your wick is laid, holding its place in the kerosene, soaking up the kerosene, that wick is just going to go on and on and burn and burn bright and you can take it in different rooms and you can be useful in a dark house. So don't starve the wick of your life. So whichever you like, if you like the imagery of fuel making a a lamp bright or 
food that you eat, giving life to a languishing soul. The point is the same in either case. No fuel, no brightness. No food, no life. God has brought you here today so that I could tell you on His behalf that He has a, an invitation for you and a gift. God is saying to you, now, now, I have communicated everything you need to know in order to have godliness and life and be fruitful for me and powerful for me and faithful to me. I have spoken it. I invite you to enjoy it. I invite you to live in it. Not, not lick this lollipop once every three days. I invite you to live here. Hold this. Love this. Read this. Meditate on this. Memorize this. Day and night. Don't let the world shape you so that this looks boring. God Almighty has spoken. It can't be boring. It can't be boring. We're the problem. He's a Vesuvius of joy and energy and power and wisdom and strength and love and grace and justice and truth. He can't be boring. The world is boring. Avatar is boring. That's not even in the manuscript. <laughs> Must be of God. You decide. Concluding promises. I, I wonder how you're going to go away from this message. You're all wired so differently. Some of you are wired so that if, I, if one imperative comes out of my mouth, you're undone with legalism. And, and others of you um, aren't that way. I don't want you to be that way. I don't, I don't want to undo you. I don't want you to go away. Oh, no, we're supposed to read the Bible. All these here, blah, blah, blah. So I'm going to end with promises. This is the way I live. I, I, I empathize with that totally. I, the commands of the Bible, I have to work harder to be, be helped by than by the promises of the Bible. Those are immediately helpful. Commands, I have to theologize a little bit in order to get encouraged. There's a way, but not as immediate. But these are pretty immediate. So let me close with, with this. So here's the point. The point is we want our lives to be bright bright with Christ, bright with meaning, bright with joy, bright with humility, bright with godliness, bright with everything God wants us to shine with. You shine in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. And then here's the key, holding fast in your mind, position, holding fast the word of life centered on the gospel of Christ and including everything he said. Everything is profitable. So, 
hold fast to the word for the sake of your faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Hold fast for the sake of your joy. These things I have spoken to you that my joy might be in you and that your joy might be full. That's why he has spoken. Third, hold fast for the sake of your freedom. If you abide in my word, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Fourth, hold fast for the sake of your holiness. Father, Jesus said, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Any holiness issues in your life? Jesus said, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Fifth, hold fast to the word for the sake of the Holy Spirit. Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Implied hearing the word, the promise, the gospel. The whole deal. Hear it with faith. And the Holy Spirit is flowing. The, the Spirit does not land where the book is closed. If you, if you close the book and go out into the woods and say, Bless me, bless me. Guide my life. He won't do it. Unless you got it in your head and heart. But if you're running away from revelation given, you're not going to get revelation immediate. Number six. Hold fast to it for the sake of life. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Live. You want to live? Jesus lived off the word. Jesus lived off the word. Jesus defeated Satan by quoting scripture. What are we going to do? Well, the peace shooter, poof. Go away. He's a demon. He's supernatural. He's Lucifer. He's coming down with this or he's not coming down. And at the center of this, as it says in Revelation 6, is the blood. The blood and the word. The blood and the word brings him down. Go away from the word. You're a sitting duck for the devil. And finally, number seven, hold fast for the sake of strength and stability and fruitfulness. Your delight will be in the law of the Lord, the instruction of the Lord. And on his instruction, you will meditate day and night. You will become like a tree planted by streams of water. So that it flourishes and bears fruit in season. And if you draw in Jeremiah, which quotes the same thing, when the winds blow and it's desert all around, your tree's green. Why? Your, your roots are going down into the stream. The stream. It's the only way. God has a gift for you in 2010. 
an infinitely valuable gift, His Word. Receive it. Hold fast to it. Give yourself to it. And if you feel like, oh dear, it's the 9th of January and I didn't start reading the Bible this year. I guess I'll have to wait till January 1, 2011. <laughs> well, David Mathis and I talked this over and I said, David, put on the blog this afternoon. So it's there. As of this afternoon, it's there. Desiring God blog. Put on the blog uh, six possible ways to read the Bible this year and tell the people in the first paragraph they can pretend that the year is from January 9, 2010 to January 9, 2011. Just pretend. And God will be okay with that. Don't, I mean, don't, we really do get into these kinds of things, don't we? I blew it, I didn't start on time. Forget it, man, it's okay. It's okay. Like, God can stop the world from turning. He can manage the 9th of January. So go to, the, go to the Desiring God. If you haven't got a plan, just check them out. They're, they're very different. We're all different, right? My wife and I are like totally different in the way we read our Bible. She reads hers on Kindle. I can read on Kindle. I've got, got to underline and mark and scratch. No, yes, love it. Ugh. I'd be totally frustrated if I was reading on a Kindle. Enough illustrations of possibility for you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, God, we need you. I know we're not playing games here. I know that there are hundreds of people who hear this and they don't feel the desire yet. They've always felt let down when they went to the Bible. They've not gotten the help they wanted. I'm just pleading for the miracle, Lord. You'd open the eyes of the heart and that they would stay there and hold there until the Spirit comes. And I just ask that you'd come. Come now and come there. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.